Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. This is your NFL Week 7 Best Bets episode. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen joined today by three Action Network experts who will be going through their three favorite bets for the upcoming Week 7 Sunday-Monday slate. As a reminder, you can follow along on the Action app by following our account that has all the picks there, Action Network NFL Picks. We are 29-23-2 overall through six weeks for this show. 54 bets, nine bets per week, six weeks in. Hooray, there's the math. Today's crew... We have Brandon Anderson joining us per usual, Luke Swain, otherwise known as Vegas Refund to the people, and Joe Gallant is back. He brings you the touchdown show every Sunday morning during the season. Catch Jill at 10.30 a.m. Eastern live on the Action app, Action Network HQ Twitter, or you can find him on the Action Network YouTube page. To get the guys set up, here are some reminders for the Week 7 slate. Four teams on the bye, some good teams, no Bills, no Rams, no Vikings, no Eagles, Underdogs, they continue to roll. So we'll find out if the guys are on dogs again. Underdogs hitting at a 58.5% win rate, 55, 38 and 1 against the number. I, I'm, I'm repetitive every week on this, but I got to keep mentioning it. The unders, they're doing really well. 61% clip. That is the best opening six week stretch since 1994. So if you're taking unders, yeah, life's too short to bet the under, whatever. I mean, unders are rolling, people. The Atlanta Falcons are the only remaining unbeaten team against the spread. They are 6-0. and And every team now has been part of an over total this season. There were a few teams that got there for the first time last week. Okay, with all that being said, we always get started before the picks. We ask each of our guests to describe the betting card, the slate, in one sentence, one word even. Brandon Anderson, you first. Week seven, what comes to mind? Yeah, you mentioned the underdogs. I'm calling it the year of the underdog. If you take just the isolated three and a half to 10 point dogs are 36 and 17 against the spread, 68% cover rate. If you are anywhere from a three and a half to a 10 point underdog, 
if you bet those every week, you would have a winning ATS record all six weeks of the season. And we've got nine games like that this week. Luke, what do you got for week seven? Uh, first week, we have some teams coming off a of bye. And then also just really the league as a whole just being so down in terms of scoring uh, to see if it starts to open up or if we're just going to be dealing with these lower scoring games, which I hope we aren't um, myself. Okay. Jill, what do you got for week seven? What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, mine's going to be pretty similar, but it's going to be, we need touchdowns. Like the touchdowns are down across the board. So for example, in 2020, there were 559 touchdowns scored after six weeks in 2021, there were 531 this year, 449. Nearly a touchdown per game is down across the board. So for somebody like me who bets on touchdown scores, that really puts a dent in my chest. So hoping week seven, we start to see a little bit more scoring. Listen up, NFL. Jill needs you more than ever. (laughs) My mentals. My mentals need it big time. Luke mentioned the buys. Detroit, Tennessee, Vegas, Houston, all coming off the buy into week seven. Let's get to our first best bet of the day from Brandon Anderson. I will remind everybody that these guys have not consulted one another before this recording. So there may be an overlap. There may be contradictions. I'm here for it. You should be for it. I want some drama. I want people to get pissed off. It's that time of year. I'm excited for that. Every man for himself here on these best bets. Brandon, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I'm going to start with one of those bye weeks that you just mentioned. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions coming off their bye week plus seven in Dallas to face America's team, the Cowboys. This is a bad situational spot. Part of it is that Lions bye week. You're coming off a bye. And don't forget what happened to the Lions the last time they played. They got shut out by the Patriots. They had a bunch of their guys missing. Their whole offense was basically in the hospital. And they just looked ugly against the Patriots. But typically speaking, teams coming off a shutout loss as an underdog, 58% cover rate in the next game. Teams that are on the road after a blowout ATS loss, 61% cover rate the next game. So this is a good spot for the Lions. Their guys are getting healthy. Amon Ross St. Brown, welcome back, buddy. Get out there, catch some passes. We need a lot of receptions. Same time, it's a bad situational spot for the Cowboys. They just had that big game against the Eagles that they got up for, and then it did not go well for them. So this is kind of a disappointing week for them coming off the Eagles loss. The Lions had a week to kind of get healthy and get ready. Detroit's still a top 10 DVOA offense, even with that rough game in there, even with the shutout. So that tells you how good this offense can be. And then uh, we've talked about the luck rankings. Our luck rankings for this week have Dallas 28 spots luckier in the rankings than the Lions. That's basically Dallas has been about as lucky as you can get and Detroit about as unlucky as you can get. And when teams are separated by 16 or more in the luck rankings, the team that has been unluckier so far is 14 and two against the spread so far this season from our luck ranking guys. So I think this is a spot where things even out a little bit. Jared Goff coming off a of bye is four and one against the spread. Goff is good in these noon games. I like the spot for Detroit. I will say this. It looks like Dak Prescott probably plays. We've been waiting for it. The all signs point to yes. This line to me only moves one direction. So if you're listening I might wait and see if you can get the seven and a half. It might come because once Dak gets announced as a starter, look, Dallas is America's team. We're not going down if Dak Prescott comes back. So get the seven if you must, but get a seven and a half or better if you can. I like the Lions. Okay, good stuff. Off the bye, you got some nuggets there. And of course, the Dak news. Yeah, he's out there taking first team reps, medically cleared. 
even players, their body language, their quotes to the media after practice all sound like point is pointing towards the direction is pointing towards Dak playing Sunday against Detroit. Let's go to Luke, your first pick. Yeah. So my first one is going to be the Jags minus three at home hosting the giants, which if you opened up all the lines on Sunday night or Monday morning and you saw a five and one team being a three point underdog do at a two and four Jacksonville Jaguars team, uh, you're probably like, what in the hell is this? Uh, which when I'm looking at it, like the ones that don't make sense are the ones that you want to like dive into and see why it's this every single week where going to Jacksonville is one of the hotter places to go in the last two years. Uh, and this is a giant team that just keeps exceeding expectations every single week uh, where I think the quote unquote sharps are betting against have been betting against the giants every single week and getting burned where to me, this line should be more in the ballpark of like four and a half, four, to be honest. And if you go by, off of those luck ratings that Brandon just mentioned, and this one has the biggest differential that we've had so far this year, um, which heavily favors the Jags. Jags minus three, coming off a loss, which was a heartbreaking loss against a team that just had two fourth quarter comebacks traveling to Jacksonville. I'll take the Jags minus three. See the stat? They've lost 18 straight, straight up against the NFC. That is a weird. It's so, stat. yeah. Yeah. Those. Not great. <laughs> yeah. Luck rate. Oh, there you go. Yeah, very good. Uh, the, the luck rate. And looking at the action app, action app, Jacksonville getting 51% of the money, just 36% of the bets. This line opened at Giants plus one and a half. So uh, Jaguar is becoming a bigger favorite. Uh, for this spot. Let's go to Jill Gallant. What do you got? First pick, Jill. Welcome back. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to stick with the AFC South. I'm not taking the Jacksonville game, but I am going to look at that Titans-Colts game, and I'm going to take the first half total. I'm going to go over 20 and a half, and even though we just kind of lamented about how much scoring is down, Tennessee, it hasn't really affected them, especially in the first half. Uh, first half scoring, they're second in the NFL at 16 and a half points per game. Now, when these two teams played in week four, they did combine for 34 points in the first half. Uh, it is worth noting in Titans games this season, the average combined score at halftime is 25.8 and over 20 points combined were scored in four of five games for the Titans. And then if you look on the flip side, even though the Colts, we think of that Broncos game and just what a disaster this offense has been four or six games, those combined totals have gone over 20 points. So again, it's just one of those things that I'm not ready just to kind of completely write off the Colts offense on how they can contribute here. And uh, they might've just found something as well last week versus the Jags. Uh, I mean, we talked about it on the recap pod, but again, Matt Ryan just looked uh, just pulled something out of his hat where he just looked like vintage Matt Ryan. I don't know how many times he could still do that, but again, one of those things that uh, maybe you're kind of banking on in the circumstance. I think the one thing that will help him though is Jonathan Taylor is expected to come back this week. Naheem Hines as well. That should be able to pace that run game, not put him in so many positions where he's third and long. Um, so yeah, I like the over 20 and a half in this divisional matchup. Fascinated by this game because for Vrabel, this is his fifth year in Tennessee. He is 4-0 against the spread. I know you're talking total, but against the spread, Vrabel 4-0 off the bye week. And him and Tannehill have been a phenomenal duo against this division. Brandon, I'm kind of setting you up here. What is your second <laughs> best bet? Yeah, I'm coming in on that exact same game. And I'm doing just the first half as well. But I've got a slightly different angle here. You guys stole a lot of my talking points, but I do like the Titans here. 
I like the Titans to cover the first half spread. So minus a half point. Basically, you're taking a Titans money line here. You got to win outright. So Titans minus a half against the Colts. So a lot of the same numbers you've got here. Like you said, Brandon, uh, Mike Vrabel after the bye, 4-0. Not just 4-0 straight up and against the spread. He's covering by 19 points a game. They're coming out hot and destroying teams after the bye week. Ryan Tannehill, 7-2 after the bye week against the spread. And Joe, you mentioned that first half. You mentioned the points being high. We didn't mention is that the points are the Titans. The Titans are the ones that are coming in on those points. So that last game, only three weeks ago, in October, first four drives of the game, the Titans went down and scored on all four drives. One field goal, three touchdowns, 24 to three. They dominated out of the gates. And that, it turned out, is not unusual. Like you said, Titans' first half offense, actually number one in offensive DVOA. Colts' first half offense, though, dead last in offensive DVOA. And 29th, defensively in the first half. So I like the Titans to come out and score. I agree with you there. I don't feel good about the Colts scoring. So I feel better about just grabbing the Titans to get the cover here at halftime. Titans run defense has been really strong. So even if Taylor does come back, I think they hold him in check. And quite honestly, the Titans might just be a solid team. We got thrown off a little bit. They had that Monday night loss against the bills. They got blown out in that game. If you remove that from the stats, the Titans are number seven in DVOA across the rest of the season. So Tennessee is just a much better team overall. And then here's the final stat. That was the, the nail in the coffin for me. Titans are four and one ATS in the first half this season. The Colts are 0 and six, failing the cover by 8.3 points a game. So give me the Titans first half and I will take the minus half a point there for the cover. Over on the FanDuel Sportsbook, no player props up yet. Jill, I'm, I'm- you know, you're taking an over, so you're probably against the Matt Ryan INT this week, right? We want, you can throw it in the second half, but first half, Matt, maybe score for us. Well, I think it depends on the odds too, because I think at this point with the rate that he's been, uh, I mean, week, week uh, six aside against the Jags, you're probably going to be seeing minus 150 to minus 160 odds right now based on the implied probability of him throwing an interception, especially against that Titans secondary. Um, so it's a little bit more pricey than probably I would play comparatively to like week one, you know, week two when books still believed in him and you could get him at plus odds. Stats galore when it comes to Titans Colts. I know we talk so much about Colts Jaguars and how the Jaguars like weirdly just beat the absolute crap out of the Colts. But uh yeah, I mean, Brandon named off several trends, but this duo of Tannehill and Vrabel, 14-3 and three straight up, 11-6 and six ATS as a duo against the division, 5-1 and one straight up ATS against the Indianapolis Colts. So they, and it's off a bye. So a lot of direction, a lot of angles point to the direction of the Tennessee Titans coming off a bye. Let's go back to Luke for his second best bet. What do you have? So I'm going to go to the Bengals, minus six and a half hosting the Falcons at home where right now this is peak Falcons market expectations. Uh, they're the first team to be six and zero against the spread and being an underdog in week seven, which is basically peak expectation. Um, and I'm going to take a Bengals team that is five and one against the spread the last two years with at home by favored by three and a half or more. Okay. You got Hayward out for the Falcons. And then you have Terrell, who's definitely not 100%, who's pay, played like a bottom, I think bottom third of the league right now in terms of corners. And then you got a Falcons team that is just dead last in pressure rate right now in the league. 
And if Joe Burrow has a weakness, it's going to be this offensive line uh, allowing the defensive lines to get in his face. So against a team that is struggling to bring pressure at peak expectation in terms of what the market thinks of them against a team in the Bengals that seem to have turned a corner going more pass heavy this past Sunday. Um, I'm just going to take a Bengals team against a Falcons team that was a nine and a half point underdog against the Bucks not too long ago and is now a six and a half point underdog at Bengals. I'll take Bengals minus six and a half. So, so on the flip side, and we talked about this in our recap show, Brandon and Jill were both there on the Action Network podcast. On the flip side of your argument, Luke, flipping units now, Cincinnati defense, one of the more underrated units. They haven't allowed a second half touchdown this season. That's a staggering stat. And we don't really know if Marcus Mariota is any good. Jill kind of hit on that. He's like, oh, he's like weirdly being efficient. He was efficient passing, but not many attempts. Still runs around like he's got a, he's a chicken with his head cut off. So it's really confusing <laughs> as to what kind of quarterback he is. Brandon, this actually goes against your hot read from Sunday. And the number was five and a half Monday morning, but you got it at six and a half. Take, you're taking the Falcons. This was discussed Sunday night. It's back to that number. Do you still like the number at six and a half taking the Atlanta side? I do still like it. Uh, the, the key for me here is a key. At least the Bengals are missing DJ reader that run stuffing defensive tackle. Fair. So I think that's, you, you mentioned the losses for Atlanta's defense. Those do worry me. I think the Bengals will score here, but DJ reader, the run stuffer, Atlanta is the number one rushing DVOA in the NFL. And that has set up everything the Falcons are doing is run the ball early and often get in those advantageous down second and three, second and four, and you're moving the chains, keeping the offense moving. The Bengals do the opposite. The Bengals should be able to take advantage of this Falcons defense. They should dial it up deep, but Zach Taylor has not done that. Zach Taylor overcommits to the run on early downs. And I don't know if that's going to work that well they're not set up to take advantage of what the Falcons are trying to offer them. So I, I like the DJ reader absence there as a big thing. And then the other thing you mentioned too, Luke, like you said, obviously the Falcons are ATS undefeated and underdogs week six or later teams like that, that are underdogs are seven and four ATS themselves. And they've won four of the last six outright. So I see both sides here and I think it's going to go back and forth a bit. I just feel like Atlanta has the guns to, to stay in the races here. And I do want to say, Reader's been out for a couple of weeks now, I believe. Yeah. Um, yep. So it's not like it's a new injury um, where this defense has been stout against the run without him already. Uh, and then the Falcons offense being number one rushing in DVOA, I totally get. Uh, but, but they've gotten some really good breaks, like the Niners. That was not the Niners team. That is not the number one defense in terms sure. of the injuries that they had last week um, with a couple other coin flip covers that they had before that. Um, it just feels like the stats on the surface for this Falcons offense doesn't really resonate the opponents that they've had and the good breaks that they've gone into situationally going to each game. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. I'll say this too, Brandon, just to close here is I do like the Falcons here back at the six and a half, but like you said, it dropped down to five and a half. I don't think I'd play it there. I think I'd play six and a half. I'd play the six. If it does move back again, the other way, I, I think we're about at the spot where I would stop playing it here. It's going to be a close one. So it'll be a fun one to see how this shapes out. Healthy pushback on these best bets. <laughs> Love to see it. Let's go to Jill. Second pick for Jill. And I, I get a sense we might have more potential pushback. Yeah. Cause uh, 
even when I say it out loud, it's a really stinky pick <laughs> and just, but I have to take it because now the numbers move too much and it's going to be chargers my, minus five and a half versus the Seahawks. And I'm going to channel my inner Vegas refund here. I'm fading the Seahawks and it's a bit of a contrarian pick, even for my own handicapping. Cause personally, I don't like betting the chargers ever, especially as a fave, but this line again is just dropped too much. Um, like when it was seven and a half, when Brandon was doing the look ahead, yeah, I wasn't going to play it because all the trends point to a big old L for the Chargers. And I was just like, no, I'm not playing that. But then as the line kept moving and as more money and steam kept coming in on the Seattle, I was like, okay, this is a kind of a point now where it's almost like we got to flip favor here. And I honestly don't think the Seahawks are going to be able to stop the Chargers offense at all. Like they're 31st in rush yards allowed, 24th in pass yards allowed. And if you look at how the Seahawks offense kind of operates, like when they're facing a stronger pass rush, it can kind of get decimated. Like you look at week two, like Luke just mentioned about the 49ers and their defense. Like when they played play like a harder end, high end defensive line defense, uh, they only scored seven points in that game. And same thing against the Broncos. Yes, they did end up winning that game, but some of those, like they probably should have lost that game if you're actually going back and looking and recapping that game in your head. Um, and they're also a pretty undisciplined team. That's the other thing too, that I think that could cost them in a cover. Uh, they have the second most penalties per game, 8.3. They're actually second in DPIs, which I think goes against playing against the Chargers who love to bomb it out there, especially if I, I think Keenan Allen is likely going to be back this week as well. Um, my first instinct, just kind of looking at this as well, I was thinking maybe we should take the over 51 and a half. Uh, but again, what I just mentioned off the top, touchdown scoring down across the board. I don't like taking any kind of over, especially with these two offenses. So I'd rather just bank on the Chargers, slicing and dicing up the Seahawks. Okay, let's go to the island. Seahawks <laughs> Island, Brandon Anderson, the lone resident on this podcast, even from Sunday night. He remains on the island. He ain't going anywhere. He's enjoying his, his Seahawks vacation. Respond, please. And it also leads to your last pick. It does. Yeah, I'm on Seahawks Island and I will respond just by making my final pick here, which is the Seattle Seahawks plus five and a half at the Chargers. Now, of course, I like this better an hour ago at plus six and a half. I liked it better a few days ago at plus seven and a half. Of course, of course, I would take the extra points. I still like it at plus five and a half. I still think Seattle has a decent chance to win the game outright. So here's why I like Seattle. You've heard this a lot because we've been on Seattle Island for a while now. It's balmy and breezy out here. We're doing well. Like in this game, we have this one great offense, an elite quarterback, great receivers, attacking down the field, all the things that Jill said. It's just the other offense. It's Seattle's offense. Geno Smith is the elite quarterback. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, they're the, the receivers hitting the downfield passing plays, and this Chargers passing defense is beatable that way. And Seattle's offensive line blocking well. Kenneth Walker, the rookie, has run, you know, he's running mean. He's running angry and getting after it. So, again, like I said with the last game, this is a spot where I think the coaching matchup is really important here. Joe Lombardi for the Chargers has not done well making things easy. He doesn't push that easy button for the Chargers. He doesn't take what's freely available, and they constantly get in third and eight, third and ten. Justin Herbert, save us. Look, Seattle fans, you know what I'm talking about. This is what they did with Russell Wilson for years. That's what happened with them. Instead, the Seahawks this year are taking the easy stuff. They're moving the chains. They're getting the easy plays early on downs. Chargers, by the way, are 29th defensively on first downs in DVOA. The Seahawks are top 10 defensively on first down. 
So Seattle is going to make things harder, put the Chargers in third and long and say, Justin, you got to do it. And he might, but Seattle offensively is going to just constantly be in good position, moving the chains, keeping the ball all game. And Seattle's defense, by the way, top 11 in defense the last three weeks as well. So they're getting better as well. Charger is still dealing with major problems on the offensive line. I think that's why this line has moved a little bit. And don't forget, short week for the Chargers. They just played an overtime game against a division rival. So this is a rough spot for them situationally. It's a home game, but is it though? It's in LA. There's going to be more Seattle fans here than there are Chargers fans. So that's kind of a hidden line spot as well. Pete Carroll, 61% ATS and underdog. Geno Smith, 62%. I still like Seattle. I like the five and a half. Again, if it drops a little further, five, four and a half, those aren't really important numbers right now, key numbers wise. You may wait. You may wait and see if we can get back to a six or six and a half. It's obviously a little better value there, but I like the Seattle five and a half. I'll play the money line as well. I'm on Seattle Island. I'm setting up shop. Come on out. You already have set up shop. You're just staying longer, which is (laughs) great. That's true. I'm building a hotel now. I'm making room for everyone. You might be staying till the new year because you have playoff making the playoff stock on Seattle as well from last week. So Geno Smith ranks number nine in the NFL in passing yards. He's second in the NFL in completion percentage at 73%. That is phenomenal. And all the money's coming in on Seattle still. Looking at the action app, the line opened at eight and a half. Seattle getting 96% of the money, 87% of the bets. So they are a public side this week. That's all coming to you from the action app on one of those pro accounts. What do you got, Luke? And my, uh, my favorite Seahawks narrative right now has nothing to do with this week's bets, but the Seahawks getting a top 10 pick in the NFL draft next, next year <laughs> via the Broncos is yeah. just phenomenal. It's just because of the Russell Wilson trade, they, which if the Broncos continue to lose, they're trending in that direction. But that's all. It's incredible. <laughs> Pete, Pete, have another piece of gum. You deserve it, dude. Um, speaking of Luke, let's go back to you. And uh, what's your last best bet? So my last one's going to be the Commanders. I think right now it's plus four and a half, which yes. who are hosting the Packers at home. To me, this is one of those classic cases that I always look for in it was actually a classic case of the Seahawks when Russell Wilson was there, but it's just a Packers team that has this shiny object distracting everyone from the deeper problems that actually are going on with that team um, where like, there's nothing about this Packers team that shows me that they are a playoff contender right now. Uh, they have Rodgers, but the only convincing win that they've had any type of margin of victory is against the bears. And we all know how good the bears are. They're not good. Um, where, the Jets D line dominated the Packers offensive line and the commanders share a very similar key aspect of their defense. Their defensive line can be dominant, um, which if they can mirror what the Jets did in terms of what the defensive lines um, were capable of, like I can see them winning um, where really the biggest issue was Carson Wentz and he's going to be out. So it's not like Taylor Heineke's an upgrade, uh, but I wouldn't ding them honestly much, if any, at all, going from Carson Wentz, the turnover machine, to Taylor Heineke, who hopefully um, doesn't do that. Uh, And everyone remembers the Commanders as a a 9.5-point underdog against the Bucs in the playoffs a couple years ago, uh, which, like, if we can get a a Taylor Heineke that is mobile, making plays, anything close to that performance, which I think is very possible, I'll take the Commanders 
Washington backup quarterbacks are 7-2-1 and one against the number in their last 10 games since 2019. So just before the COVID year, well, Heineke played against Tampa, and that was a home game for Washington. Remember, Tampa was in the wild card round. They had to go to Washington, a division winner. And the Packers, 2-4 and four against the number this season. They are failing to cover the spread by just over eight points per game. That is the worst margin in the NFL. Luke, you had a response to that? And the last thing I just want to bring up that I forgot to mention is that the Titans were one and a half point favorites at Washington a couple weeks ago. And there isn't a case that you can make too many that the Packers are five and a half to six points better than the Titans. Fair enough. It's just not, there's no case, Um, which I think is just the Aaron Rodgers shiny objects perceptionally um, masking this Packers team. That isn't what we thought they were. It's unfamiliar territory for the quarterback and for the coach, too. As a large favorite, sure. LaFleur has not been good the last two weeks. He's, he had been 21-0 straight up as a six-point or greater favorite. So, have that. Jill, take us home. What do you have? I'm riding with VR. On this one, I'm going commanders plus four and a half as well, uh, mainly because we're getting it past the key numbers, like over the three and over the four. Uh, I would I would say that Taylor Heineke isn't much of a drop off from Carson Wentz. I'm sorry, Brandon. I know that you're ride or die with Wentz, but I just I don't think, especially uh, with this offseason and him even saying in like interviews this week that he feels more comfortable within the offense. I think that should obviously help. But Aaron Rodgers is just not right. Like there's something going on with his thumb where it's actually affecting his throwing capability, and that in turn means the Packers aren't right because the receivers in him are out of sync. His favorite receiver, Randall Cobb, who's actually the target leader for the team, is out now. Uh, and it probably explains with that lack of uh, uh, sync is that that's why he's been getting sacked so much. He's been sacked 15 times this season. And if you actually go back and look, he's on pace like right now to be sacked around 40 times this year. The last time that he was sacked over 35 times was 2018. And the Packers finished six, nine and one that year. So the protection for the Packers right now is a big issue. And especially because what do the commanders do? Well, they get to the quarterback and they don't allow rushing touchdowns, which is the basis of the Packers offense. They've got 19 sacks this year. That's top five. They also have only allowed three rushing touchdowns. That's also top five in the NFL. Also got a nice like new shiny toy in Brian Robinson that they can run. Uh, I think the commanders will probably win this game outright, but I think just taking the safer pick, I like the plus four and a half. And, and the commanders, like the commanders defense, I do think, and I said it last week, I think they're somewhat underrated where they've been giving up the explosive play, which you look back at last week's Thursday night game, which like, I hope you didn't watch that game. Um, the bears rushing attack. Those stats are inflated because you had a, a Herbert like 75 yard run where if they can just get rid of these, I guess you could say like outlier explosive plays. Um, this defense isn't as bad as I think they are on paper. We we all watched the game, so it was. I mean, <laughs> I did too. Um, <laughs> I the the frozen pizza yes of Thursday night games. Am I right? Thank goodness we didn't have to recap that game on Sunday. Oh. Anyway, before we wrap today's show, what we always do is we take a quick look at next week's lines. We'll go to Week Eight in the NFL and see what we like. Any numbers we like now before they adjust after. Sunday. So for example, back to Seahawks Island, we go Brandon Anderson. This is one of your specialties. You grabbed Seattle at plus seven and a half last Thursday, a week ago today before the chargers played Monday night against Denver. And now Seattle, as we've talked about is down to five and a half. So nice work. We'll see how it goes. What do we like for week eight? 
Well, going back, I, I might be setting up shop on Falcons Island as well, because I'm going to go with the Falcons here. Atlanta Falcons at home, minus six and a half. And it's not really even about the Falcons. It's about the Panthers, because that's the opponent here. So let's talk. take a trip down memory lane. December 2015, the Panthers and the Falcons play. You remember this one. You watched it. Cam Newton played. The Panthers won 38-0. They're literally taking pictures on the sidelines during the game. Remember, this, they're celebrating while the game was not over yet because the Panthers go to 13-0. They played again two weeks later. Remember what happened? The Falcons ended the perfect season. And since that Cam Newton game, Falcons have won 10 of 13 since then against the Panthers and covered 10 of 13. This is a personal game in this rivalry for them. And I don't think they're going to need that much help against this garbage Panthers team. Panthers have lost three straight games by double digits. They have two, two offensive touchdowns in those three games. They are not scoring the football. The Falcons defense isn't great, but the Panthers offense can't take advantage of it. PJ Walker, Jacob Eason, Sam Darnold, Shane Falco. I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Panthers. It doesn't matter. The Panthers are going to get blown out by the Bucs this weekend. We're going to move past the key number, six and a half. Goodbye. It's going to be seven and a half or above. So you want to grab the Falcons right now. The Panthers are in tank mode. It's over. And by the way, this game that we're betting on Falcons Panthers two days before the trade deadline. So we might not even have Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore around if the Panthers really blow things up. So I am grabbing this right now. If you want to tease six and a half, great teaser spot. Just give me the win against the Panthers. This is a prime spot. Give me Atlanta. Good stuff. I was just going to bring up the trade deadline, which is November 1st. That is Tuesday. Game, of course, is Sunday at one o'clock. So not a, even if they're there, they could be checked out. They could be told, hey, uh, by the way, we're only going to play you like 25 snaps because we're going to get a pick for you. We're sending you to right. X team, something like that, right? So you can't convince me otherwise. That stuff doesn't go on. So good stuff. Good note on the trade deadline. It's hard to believe it's the trade deadline already. It feels like <laughs> we just got started on this show. So let's recap the picks before we say goodbye Brandon Anderson is on the Lions plus seven. He likes the Titans against the Colts, but in the first half, minus half a point. And he's on the Seahawks plus five and a half for his third pick. Luke is on the Jaguars minus three. He likes the Bengals minus six and a half. And he likes the Commanders at home to cover with the points against Green Bay plus four and a half. Jill's going to Titans Colts, but he's talking first half. Taking first half over 20 and a half points. He's got the Chargers minus five and a half versus the Seahawks. And he's also on the Commanders plus four and a half. So we have some contradictions and some agreements on this Best Bets episode. It's that point of the year, everybody. We all have takes. Love to see it. Follow all three of these guys on the Action app. Find their picks. Find their analysis. Find the data that they use to get ready for the NFL season each and every week. Again, also find our podcast picks, Action Network NFL picks. It's all there. We log them every single week. Thanks to Brandon Anderson, Luke Swain, Joe Gallant, Brendan Glasheen. Best of luck with your best bets this weekend, everybody. We will see you again Monday morning for the recap show right here on the Action Network podcast. Action Network.